from Zeit Studio. Welcome to 2023. The year of the Zeitbuster. And also, welcome to 2023. Just going back to what I was telling you about. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like every year it gets harder and harder to get back into work mode. I almost feel like I shouldn't have taken a break because it might take me a couple weeks, to be honest, to (laughs) just be fully (laughs) mentally ready to go for work and stuff. Wow. What a struggle. I will say I also took three weeks off on paternity leave. I think the last recording was before I had a second child. So, so that, that happened. happened. Yeah. And uh, definitely was not a break, but I have, I similarly feel like when you get over two weeks away from doing your job, it like very deeply rips you away from, it untethers you from your pre existing reality. And it gives you ideas, and ideas are dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Which, and so for me, I was excited. I'm excited to get back because I'm running my own company. But, um, but, and it's like an interest for me outside of work. But, hundred percent agree. If I had to go back to like, even if I liked my job, you know, working for the man, I would. Yeah, it would take me some while to to have my mind, uh, uh, propagandized to be to be re inoculated yeah. with the propaganda. <laughs> yeah, reeducated. <laughs> So, um, sorry, hold on one sec. I got to go hold this child. I'm going to bring it over here, though. I've abandoned my child! I have two quick takeaways. Uh, before you got up, you called him the child, and then you said, I'm going to bring it in here. Um, that is your child. <laughs> <laughs> that is a child, and it's a him. Fuck. Wow. Um... <laughs> I can't believe that's recorded. Yeah. So basically, as a part of our own untethering, this will get a little meta, but our first big Zeit announcement was in December with the name change, the logo change. And as a continuation of that, this year, post branding change, um, we got a bunch of, I would argue, bigger announcements than the December one in store for you Bigger. this year. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to get too into the details of what those are, because we don't even know no details. But they're coming. <laughs> they're coming. Just know if you're out there, you're the earliest vanguard, van, vanguard, of what is going to prove to be a revolution. At least in movie podcasts, we'll see if it gets any bigger than that. But uh, things are going to be big in 2023. There's going to be a lot of ideological warfare indoctrination. Oh, yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Sorry, wait. I'm not sure which one's uh. worse. <laughs> so on that note, some really exciting stuff to talk about. I think your list overlaps nicely with my list. 
your list being Wednesdays, The Boys Season 1, Glass Onion, uh, Banshees, and Euphoria Seasons 1 and 2, which I want to talk about. On my list, I had, frankly, a lot of the same stuff. And then I also have uh, Pinocchio. I also watched that, yeah. Yeah, well, I figured you watched. I just wanted to make sure. And I also started watching The Recruit, uh, which I thought was pretty um, interesting. Um, None of which are like too mind-blowing other than maybe Pinocchio, but uh, would love to hear I would love to hear your takes on maybe some of our overlaps to start with. Where do you want to start? So why don't we kick off with Wednesday? Okay. And to recap, we talked about Wednesday. I talked about Wednesday quite a bit about watching it. And then while you weren't listening to us, KY took a swag at it. Yeah, I would love to hear your your, your thoughts here. I mean, I, I was shitting on it last time. That's true. You were. And I'm willing to admit my mistakes and own up to me being wrong. And this is also specifically to your nanny because uh, <laughs> <laughs> she fired a couple shots at me. and That's true. She did. Yeah. Whatever her name is, if she's out there. Ariel. Ariel, I love this show. I absolutely <laughs> I love can't it. wait to tell her to listen to this. <laughs> wow. I was wrong about just about everything. I think the trailer was awful, actually. I think it was an awful representation of what the show was like. Mm. And obviously, I'm a big fan of Tim Burton. And I know he directed a few of the first, like the first couple episodes. And mm-hmm. I thought those were probably some of the stronger ones. And I think he got the same composer to do the music that does all of his movies. So it had that very specific uh, Tim Burton vibe to it. Yeah. But Jenna Ortega, the actress that played Wednesday, mm-hmm. crushed it. She is. God, she did. She's a like a pillar of the zeitgeist, in my opinion, at this point. And that's an interesting point because she's bound to do some like really big stuff next yeah. up do you know what she's do you, have you looked into that no but she's been on the whole talk show circuit doing a bunch of interviews every time i open instagram reels there are girls dressed up as wednesday recreating her dance that she does at that prom scene so there's clearly like a meme aspect to what this show created just to add to that because I don't do Instagram, but my version of that is on the Beltline in Atlanta. There's this really uh, famous, at least locally, area where they do a great deal of uh, graffiti art, like really, really high quality graffiti artists come out and, and repaint it every once in a while. But Dre, Dr. Dre has been up there for a long time, unpainted over. And guess what they fucking painted over Dre last week? fucking wednesday or whatever the actress is i was like okay that seems a little over the top i'm hoping dre comes back but um that's my version of that it's pretty mind-blowing that the zeitgeist has been so swept away by jenna ortega or whatever her name uh yeah i mean uh, that's feels very excessive but we can't (laughs) control the zeitgeist right we can't we're just here to funnel it (laughs) exactly so yeah i would highly recommend this show it has, I, I love the the writing and the way 
that Wednesday delivers her lines and her just her whole personality and her attitude and the way she dresses and just like her whole thing. So I decided after I finished the show, which by the way, like the final episode, I didn't love that much compared to the other ones, but I decided I'm only going to date girls that uh, are basically Wednesday clones from now on. Well, my guess is uh, that is not an original take given um, some of the sketchy things I have seen on the internet. So, uh, but good to know. I don't know what you're referring to, but sure. (laughs) Well, didn't you tell me? (laughs) I don't know if this is podcast appropriate. Uh, It's not, don't don't worry, it's not about porn mom. But like, it's only a matter of time when like a, um, she, I mean, she's a very attractive leading lady. And has like a very specific look, so I'm like, okay, it's only a matter of time before it's like it becomes a look. And you, like you said, apparently on Instagram, which I wouldn't know, and I imagine on the talk, whatever kids call it these days, the TT, the TT, they, call it the TT. they definitely <laughs> don't call it the TT. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on the TT, I bet there's a lot of, a lot of Wednesday clones out there. We'll leave it there to summarize. Again, Wednesday, biggest show on Netflix, I think, ever in terms of viewership over yeah. a week or two. So you can check it out on Netflix. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. KY did a 180, thinks it's a great show as well. So we recommend it. Ariel, we dedicate this to you. I would. I also would love to touch on both The Boys Season 1, which I think I watched originally way back in almost four months ago maybe and also glass onion which i think we both watched in the interim which one do you want to start with let's go with the boys cool you start what's your what's your take there so i've actually tried to watch this show a couple times over the years ryan lee actually has been trying to get me to watch this show for i mean forever since it came out and something about it I don't know. I I still sort of feel this way. The whole visual aesthetic of the show, I'm not really a fan of, to be honest. But with that said, I really, really liked season one. Great. The first half of it, first half of season one, I was not into. I didn't find a single character that I genuinely cared about and was rooting for. And I think that's (laughs) supposed to be the guy that works in the electronics store for the most part. But I didn't like any of the characters. But then once, I'm assuming everyone's seen the show at this point, the second half of the show, particularly with Homelander's storyline, that's where I like absolutely fell in love with the show. And just how dark it gets and how dark they're willing to go about the reality of these like really big concepts around superheroes. Yeah, let's start actually. We probably should. Like you said, I assume everyone or a lot of people are familiar with the show or have a general idea of the premise, but basically it's a, and this is not going to do it justice, but it's if, if superheroes were real, they would likely fall prey to the same greed and corruption that ultimate power gives you. And that we have like almost proven to be the, uh, you know, to be the, uh, the corruptiveness of power has almost been proven in throughout history when people have absolute power. So it's like if Superman was really Superman, you know, he'd probably be a pretty fucking bad guy. And that's Homelander in this show. And so um, anyway, that's the intro there. But yeah, 
I agree with your take. And I think Homelander, who is essentially the what if Superman was was real, he'd probably be a horrible human being and have like done shit, you know, forced himself on women and like gone out to with soldiers in Iraq and like massacred people who he wanted to gain power over like really dark stuff. I do appreciate the fact that they fully follow through on it because I think there have been some mock there's also some humor in this show for sure, but there have been some humorous takes on like, what if superheroes were evil out there? Like what's the one with the uh, suicide squad yeah. and whatnot, but they never take it to the, like, they, they clearly are not trying to take it to some sort of logical conclusion that would say something interesting about human psychology and Homelander is fascinating they do such a good job with it it's so horrible though it makes you it makes you really really hate some of the characters i mean a couple other things i just wanted to flag that in case you thought were interesting are i really appreciate the the small creative flourishes they have with the different powers that some of the superheroes have it so doesn't necessarily add a great deal to the show but like the dude who can get really tiny <laughs> and go uh, oh, is that yeah, in okay, season yeah, one yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Who <laughs> like pleasures people <laughs> in their genitalia? Like it's it's so it's so outrageous. But someone clearly had a really great time making some aspects of this show. Who's super creative, and it's it's uh, it's got some fun, pretty horrific, but some pretty fun parts to it that just make it fun to watch. Yeah, that that is actually a really good point. I I completely forgotten about that, but it's also probably more realistic. If you had a superpower where you could become really small, eventually you would also dive into genitalia. Yeah. Right. That's just I one mean, of the logical endpoints to having that superpower. <laughs> you sound like you're kidding, but <laughs> I'm dead serious. Totally true. Like you would definitely be tempted at some point yeah. to do that. And what are the what is the conclusion as to what might happen if that <laughs> Anyway, we'll leave it for you to see if you watch uh the boys the one other thing i wanted to call out is the fish man the deep the deep okay that's right first of all ridiculous name the deep but dude his storyline is hilarious because it's like he starts off as kind of like just another unlikable part of that crew and then he goes through his fall from grace if you really had any you see in the second half of the season he goes through these really real emotional moments where he tries to come to terms with his lacking of real superpowers and like his status in the crew. And I I thought that was so well done where it's like hilarious, but also (laughs) really dark and epic. Yeah. He's a great character as well. I want to talk more about it. I think some of the take on the characters in this is similar to game of Thrones in a very broad sense, in the sense that characters frequently have pretty dramatic story arcs where you like really dislike someone well you mostly don't like people in the show but you can like empathize with their their situations when you at one point didn't and they have pretty significant changes so i think that's another good uh interesting you know type of writing that is hard to do right let's get into the onion i'll start here i thought this was overall so uh, the onion of course is another knives out mystery which, if you haven't seen the first Knives Out, shame on you. It's pretty great. Yeah, uh, unsubscribe Daniel Craig, and go watch it. Unsubscribe now. Daniel Craig is the Sherlock Holmes-esque detective character who is 
it's just like an ex- he's an eccentric southern accented guy who lives in london who's a detective and i'd love to hear your take it's such an imperfect movie in so many ways but it just they do a really good job focusing on their niche and scratching a specific itch they like get some interesting people in a room they tell a story that's like not particularly original but that's like fun to watch and i just i really enjoyed it I w- i'm not going to watch it again but um but i i would like totally recommend it to anyone who might be interested in like whiling away two hours so yeah i had a, I had a similar takeaway it was really entertaining it was probably 20 minutes too long just because you know i like to keep it at two hours or less generally but the first half of the movie i thought this isn't like a groundbreaking type of story and i thought some of the things that unfolded uh, were somewhat predictable, but it doesn't matter because I think some of these performances, like I, I really liked Ed Norton in this. I thought he did a great job playing, you know, the pseudo altruistic tech billionaire type uh, as like a, just a great commentary on certain people in our society. When is what is he not good in? By the way, <laughs> he I, he is like one of my favorite hands down actors. He's he's just always incredible. Um, I think. Yeah. No, you're right. It's really I, hard to find anything that I'm like, oh, you know, Ed Norton really shat the bed on that one. Yeah. Um, um, I was actually just thinking about all the movies I've seen him in, and I don't even think there's a movie where you're like, Ed Norton was okay. He was pretty good. It's always like he was phenomenal. He's he just care. He, um, and even though he gets kind of typecast, he's like quite good. Like Birdman is one of my favorite movies of all time. And he's incredible in that. American History X, Fight Club, obviously, Primal Fear. Anyway. All of the uh, Wes Anderson's Oh, and he's movies. in Isle of Dogs. Yeah. I forget. Yeah, I was going to say he's in all the Wes Anderson's. I forgot he does the um, the voicing for that one. And he also is obviously a live actor. Anyway, enough about Ed Norton. Um yeah, the incredible casting. Uh, Daniel Craig and Ed Norton hanging out together is just so so fun. So basically, main takeaway is really entertaining movie. I thought it was really well made, and I hope that Ryan Johnson keeps doing these. Yeah. But I did not think it was as good as the first one. Which is fine. I think like it, it's it's hard to beat. I would be really surprised if it was, right? It would be like bucking a lot of trends, but... I'm I'm hoping that they come out with one of these every. It would be delightful if like every two or three years they had a Knives Out movie, you know, and maybe they treat it like James Bond, where which is, of course, unrelated to Daniel Craig, but where they like switch out the detective, you know, in ten years. Well, where do you want to start? So we both watched The Menu. I caught Black Adam, uh, probably the greatest film of all time, as we'll we'll hear, uh, and what a. I picked up a pretty interesting mockumentary called A Mighty Wind recently. (laughs) (laughs) I can only imagine what that's about. How about you take us away with Euphoria? It looks like you caught seasons one and two. That must mean you liked it. Yeah. Okay. So Euphoria, you've seen it, right? No. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. 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 Zilch. Okay, so let me start off with a little MDeb background here. First mm-hmm. of all, I'm assuming everyone in this country has seen this show except for us, and then now just you. 
<laughs> it's on HBO. There are two seasons. I think A24 actually bought this story up like a long time ago and helped produce this show, which is why it was awesome. And mm. basically, mm. the description, a look at life for a group of high school students as they grapple with issues of drugs, sex, and violence. So Wow. Yeah. Wow is right. Basically, this um, this could have been basically a documentary of what your typical American Gen Z high school experience is like today. And there's zero <laughs> exaggeration in that. You're saying that from uh, <clears throat> personal experience at all those high schools. Exactly, exactly. But uh, jokes aside, why do you say that? Just you think that it it's like quite representative of what you have seen or it does a good job distilling what you have seen like in the broader culture. I mean that sincerely, like interested to know like how it distills the Gen Z culture, which is so alien to me. It's exactly that. They do the best job of distilling some of the key cultural themes that we can observe as like middle-aged millennials uh, in the same way that... (laughs) Oh God, (laughs) middle-aged. Unfortunately. Is that even true? (laughs) Okay, so millennials go up to like late 30s. At this point, I think maybe the oldest millennial is probably 40. Mm. Whoever whoever you are out there, you the know oldest, who you are. The oldest one, I hold the line. And then at the youngest, <laughs> I think millennial stops at like 26, I want to say, somewhere around there. So we're definitely very middle-aged. Middle middle of the middle. Well, yeah. so so would one of the things that I almost watched last night, by the way, after I texted you, which I didn't, was bodies bodies bodies. And one of the pit Okay, cuz I say the pitch that I had to myself for watching it was or at least I remembered your pitch which is that it's like such a great it so perfectly captures the Gen Z zeitgeist you might say so that's what I what you just brought to mind but I assume it's quite different yeah so that bodies 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 was like a really dark funny satire that went to extreme lengths to not only make that Gen Z experience like the rich kid Gen Z little shit NYU student experience really genuine, but also exaggerated in like certain aspects. I think Uh the difference with Euphoria is this is a pretty serious show, very real, deep, emotional themes, Mm -hmm. both high and low. And I think they take sort of like a insider's perspective on what it might be like to be around this age group not really growing up very well off, being surrounded by a lot of like the typical pressures. And I mean that in like every sense of the word that kind of surround you at that age. And like, I'm assuming that the creators of this show probably went a little above and beyond on certain aspects around like the sexual stuff and like some of the drug use. But regardless, is it follow them over time or is it like a year of high school or something? I think it's maybe a year or two years or something. It's a snapshot in high school across two seasons. And Zendaya is the main lead here who's dealing with her own childhood trauma and trying to reconcile her sexuality and and all that stuff in this type of environment. Basically, really, really well-made show, I thought. The score, incredible. They hit the emotional highs pretty hard and in like a really... In a really nuanced, meticulous way, 
and so yeah, I, I I basically watched all two seasons. This was like eighteen hours of TV or something in one weekend, and I would highly recommend this. Wow, they don't shy away from the hard topics. I'm excited to watch that. That is a ringing endorsement. Uh, both it sounds like from how you talk about it, and also hours spent watching. So I'm I'm pumped. I'm definitely gonna put that on my short list. I'll just cov- I just want to cov though because. Some of the storylines of certain characters are just ridiculous, but clearly they're just to <laughs> okay. move the plot forward. That's exciting. I'm very much looking forward to diving in. What do you think? Uh, I'm pulling up the notes. Banshees of Banshees. That's right. Did you say you watched this already? No. I haven't okay. seen either uh, Euphoria or Banshees. Okay. So then I won't go too deep on Banshees. Let's just give a quick intro here. This movie came out recently. Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. This is a great Colin Farrell movie because it's just one of those obscure indies where he has his normal Irish accent and he's just hilarious. Brendan Gleeson was that professor from Harry Potter. So another right. mm-hmm. another great character. Um, two lifelong friends find themselves at an impasse when one abruptly ends their relationship with alarming consequences for both of them. That's like factually true. <laughs> As they usually are. (laughs) Yeah. So I really, really liked this movie. It wasn't as good as some of the other obscure Colin Farrell ones, but uh, this is actually the same director that did In Bruges, if you ever saw that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Same duo here. Three billboards outside Ebbing. That was another good one. So he clearly has like a very specific style, aesthetic, and just like vibe to his movies. This one was no different. A couple highlights that I'll point out. Absolutely a hilarious movie. Whoever wrote this, it, I guess the director actually wrote this. The writing was really witty, really accurate in terms of like just like the small town Irish banter. And number two is... Once again, I love that you're like, ah, it was extremely accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> I would know. I would know. I love the confidence with which you're like, I, you know what? I... Let me tell you, I've been I'm there. Spent some time and spot on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I get it. I get it. Number two is the cinematography. Wow, just wow. The movie would not have been as good without the shots they got. So that's number two. Number three is just when you think the movie is starting to get a little repetitive, and the energy starts to die, it takes a dark turn and. It's epic. Oh, you know what? Sorry, I just finally got to the screenshots. I have, uh, I started watching this and I really liked it. Okay, and on HBO. Came, yeah. Yeah, and something came up and like I didn't finish it. But uh, this is a great reminder. I, I remember thinking it was like, yeah, uh, Brendan Gleeson, Colin Farrell. Yeah, I'm pretty, I have to come back to this. So Something mysterious came up. I probably like got tired and went to sleep or somebody <laughs> was screaming at me. So. <laughs> The most probably likely. the latter yeah. <laughs> yeah probably the latter yeah you know okay that's great well i have two things i definitely gotta pick up before next app um i also am like definitely going to be ready with bodies 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 after fuck yeah uh for next step so well should we i don't want to ask you too many more questions about these just because i want to watch them which is why i'm not diving deeper but let's put a 
put a pin in that, as they say, and, and roll back to it once they've had a chance to watch them. In terms of the other stuff, should we start with menu? Or do you want to start with... Let me do a quick thing on A Mighty Wind, and then let's get into the menu. Okay, cool. Okay, so yeah, last one for me, A Mighty Wind. This came out 2003, randomly came across this on iTunes. And if you're a fan of mockumentaries and specifically around bands, basically meaning like if you enjoyed Spinal Tap, then you may enjoy this. So description... It's a mockumentary that captures the reunion of 1960s folk trio, The Folksmen, as they prepare for a show at the town hall to memorialize a recently deceased concert promoter. This movie was fucking hilarious. <laughs> how old, <laughs> like, how old is it? Absolutely hilarious. This is 2003. Three. Okay. It's like, tw- okay. Yeah, you'll, you'll definitely recognize some of the actors here. Michael McKean has been in a bunch of TV shows. Eugene Levy, mm-hmm. Christopher Guest. Yeah, I recognize If you don't recognize the guys. names, you'll you'll recognize their faces. Yeah. Every actor in this movie crushes it. The writing is really good. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. It was like a more wholesome take on Spinal Tap, okay. but also like <laughs> okay, that's great. a sadder, more washed up version. I, I won't go into too much detail. It's pretty self-explanatory, but basically go... Wa- watch the trailer if that's your type of humor then you're gonna love this movie and it's only an hour and a half great i'm i'm pumped i uh one thing i i don't like about spinal tap that it sounds like is not true about this is spinal tap is infinitely in my opinion which is not probably shared by everyone but i think it's infinitely more enjoyable to quote than to actually watch like it in some parts are like pretty boring and then like you get the interviews with these guys and it's like 10 seconds of eye-wateringly hilarious stuff and it goes back to kind of being boring but this sounds like it's actually just a fun watch all the way through that i think that's a good take although i have to cough that again because i took a massive bong rip before i watched this movie (laughs) and like i i don't really remember let's just remember the emotions (laughs) that's hey that's what's important i'll take it i'll have to pick that that one up too God, you're giving me some great content. I'm falling I'm falling behind in my duties here. And I have nothing but my one piece of good content, the menu, you've already watched. And then my piece of bad content is just bad content. Black Adam. Although I did I did actually start watching. Watching is an aggressive framing, but I started watching The Last Kingdom, which are you are you have you seen that? It came out a while ago. It's came out in twenty fifteen originally. Yeah. Twenty fifteen originally and then it went on for a while and was like quite popular. Jess started watching it. I picked it up. Thought it's great. It's a pretty well, I would say actually a very well regarded show. I would I would uh I would recommend it. Anyway, what I was getting at is not a review of The Last Kingdom, which you should probably watch, but I'll come back once I've actually watched more of it. But the review is more just to say that uh, I have added no value. I guess since I'm going to add I'll just add even less value and just quickly touch base on Black Adam before we get to the menu. Yeah, touch some base. Okay. Black Adam is DC Comics attempt to reach the balance of comedy, action, and like serious social commentary that Marvel does so well. Uh, argue if you're a Marvel fan, right? That's a tough balance. Yeah. It is. Black Adam 
2022 PG-13, yada, yada. Nearly 5,000 years after he was bestowed... See, this reads like the fucking first 30 minutes of the movie. Nearly 5,000 years after he was bestowed with the almighty powers of the Egyptian gods and imprisoned just as quickly, Black Adam is freed from his earthly tomb, ready to unleash his unique form of justice on the modern world. Okay, it is really hard not to crack a smile and just really give a head nod to Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, in this movie because he does an excellent job deadpanning the dumbest stuff. And like he 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 accomplishes the goal. I actually think if the superhero wasn't dumb in terms of the idea, if it wasn't surrounded by extraordinarily bad writing that relies so much on I shouldn't say it's all bad writing but it relies really heavily on if it didn't rely so much on just telling and not showing basically it spends all this time just being like 30 minutes every now and then just setting up parts of the story instead of actually building characters anyway Dwayne Johnson I think does a great job if DC Comics is gonna survive in the face of like the Marvel onslaught they need to lean more into what they did with him. Unfortunately, the f- core superhero and their attempt to like do social commentary in the way that Marvel does was just fell flat on its face. Yeah, I have a really, really, really hard time. As an artifact in the superhero franchises, it's quite interesting because it, it shows the uh, the thinking that the producers and and uh, the studios are doing behind DC Comics and how they're trying to evolve, but it's not a good movie. So I would say don't watch it unless you're like interested in the broader conversation around superheroes and how they play into like the zeitgeist, which you may be that one of those people given our conversations, but in general, I would not recommend it to our listener base. That's an interesting take. I would say I am somewhat interested in being a part of that dialogue and I may do so just by reading the MDIB synopsis and not watching. So I'm not going to watch this movie. I'll be upfront okay. with you. Great. That said, Pierce Brosnan as... Fa- so see, uh, see, the thing that kills me about this movie... Again, don't watch it. Um, but Dwayne Johnson in parts is excellent. He crushes his role. Pierce Brosnan also... Like, I feel bad for whoever the... Actually, I don't feel bad because they probably got paid a bunch of money. But I feel bad for whoever who was in charge of the like visual effects for Dr. Fate, which is Pierce Brosnan's character. Incredible. Better or as good as most of anything I've seen in these like super high-budget Marvel films. But ooh, just shows what happens when you're surrounded by like... Uh, yeah, I mean, I hate to be this critical, but basically it's like the B or C team of like production and writers. Yeah. Do you think in the last year and a half pierce brosnan's entire portfolio got wiped out like in the public markets and therefore he's coming back to the big screen and was forced (laughs) to take this job (laughs) i i actually so i actually thought about this seriously i know it's kind of a joke but if you remember i think there's this feeling for all of these pretty uh, critical actors who have historically or maybe originally were approached by let's say marvel back when everyone was like comic books are stupid and then they saw literally as we've discussed on this show five of the top seven or even eight of the top 10 maybe top grossing actors in the world or all the top grossing actors in the world because they were in marvel movies like 
that is actually why. Um, I'm sure that all these all these actors that maybe turned down these roles back when they thought comic books were stupid are now like, wow, that was dumb. Like, could have seen that coming and like should have accepted it. And so now when they're getting approached with these like secondary superheroes that they're doing random add-on series for, I'm sure Pierce Brosnan's like, well, I mean, they're probably going to pay me a lot. Also, maybe I'll end up like being wildly successful because of this because I turned it down the first time. There's a fantastic example. Sean Connery turned down turned down the role of Gandalf like famous famously he was like the first choice for Gandalf and so he turned Peter Jackson down and he was like Sean Connery's like I don't know what this stupid kids book about short people and their their magical rings is that sounds dumb and then of course the Lord of the Rings went on to be like one of the most successful and wildly critically appraised movies of all time and so then he also famously went and accepted a couple really dumb roles after that purely because he thought i don't want to turn down the next gandalf long story short i think this is a classic a lot of these old well-respected actors like pierce brosnan are going through the sean connery gandalf effect at the moment interesting so i actually i think ian mcclellan was the perfect gandalf so agreed by the way yeah i kind of like when these situations happen where the first lead that the director wanted drops out or doesn't want to do it they find the next person like i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure this was the matrix but i thought there there was a lot i think there was like a long list of actors that were in line to do that movie before keanu same thing with american psycho i think like tom cruise was supposed to be patrick bateman I think you're on, just by the way, in case anyone looks this up, I think, because I think this is also a better story. I'm pretty sure that it was, the story is Samuel L. Jackson was the top choice for Morpheus. And okay, uh, that's, that's, yeah. Eventually it became Lawrence, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. I, I, again, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was how it went. Or maybe having to both. Either way, or I both. agree. Yeah. I love these stories. These stories, even if they're like yeah. apocryphal, are fantastic. <laughs> and probably a lot of them are true. So, okay. Let's move on to Ziminyu, uh, which hilariously enough, you are like the third person to independently tell me that they watched the menu last night. So it must have been something in, in the water. Let's in the water, the... meaning HBO just, just got the rights to it. <laughs> But wasn't it like last week? Yeah, well, okay, well, that would be it if that was what happened. <laughs> okay, the menu. IMDb. A young couple travels to a remote island to eat at an exclusive restaurant where the chef has prepared a lavish menu with some shocking surprises. That description reads like the typical date night for a San Francisco couple. <laughs> yeah, basically. Oh, my God. So maybe it's worth quickly touching on the cast before we dive any further in. Ralph uh, Fiennes, who, uh, or Rafe Fiennes, he, he, does, he like you pronounce his name in a weird way, I think. I've heard um, that, yeah. It's Rafe, apparently. Rafe uh, Fiennes. He is uh, just always a joy. Uh, Love so Rafe. Anya Taylor-Joy, also a joy. So they're kind of the leading people. Nicholas Holt kind of is the uh, in the beginning who's kind of an... I don't know. I feel like not a super heavily known. I really like Nicholas Holt. But he he actually does a really good job, I think. Sorry, I'm I'm jumping ahead a bit, but Rafe Fines and 
Anya Taylor-Joy are just clearly the focuses here. And I think they did a really good job casting. And I love the setup. But I actually have a bunch of issues with the movie as well. Do you mind? Maybe I'll just I'll just do a quick outline and then I'll pass it over because I actually want to hear your take on some of those in particular. I would say that your point about San Francisco is so dead on. Like it's so like it's so perfectly like this huge giant steaming pile of poo on <laughs> the like highfalutin fine dining. Well, just it's 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 about how people who like to pretend like they're important and pretend like their tastes reflect that importance which is like such a pitfall that so many people fall into um how that is just like can become so disgusting when they have like too much resources to put to it my general take is it did not do a good enough job it tried to do it tried to be in the in between a biting social commentary and horror and what it ended up doing is like having some like kind of funny takes on in social commentary and like leaning on like the whole uh, chef's table thing and like having that like and and like instagram life is was was great but they didn't lean into that too much and they sprinkled in the horror but then the horror was not that horrific it was like some really disturbing shit happened but like just dip their toe in. And what really pissed me off about this movie is I felt like it had all the makings. It had the the set, the setup, the actors, the writing was good, the directing was good, the cinematography was good, but it, it should have either just leaned in to be a fucking horror movie where people were like bloody screaming in the woods and like whatever, or it should have just like done less of that and been more of a dark comedy about those idiots that we all like to hate and the one percent anyway i have a bunch of other specific stuff we can talk about but th- i just wanted to leave you with that and see like does that resonate or you to- or you totally disagree like where, where's your head at on that i had a very similar take i did not think this was a good movie there were some good parts of it but it just felt like they couldn't commit to the take they wanted to portray and like i don't know the commentary i felt like was pretty familiar there was nothing fresh about the way they wanted to portray that commentary and then like you said the horror it's like they were they started to add some of these horror elements or turn it into a horror movie and then just like stopped after five minutes because i don't know who knows but it's a shame because i thought the cinematography was really good the intro was good and the shots the slow pans of the dishes were chef's table-esque. I mean, I mean beautiful. Literally, <laughs> I mean, but literally, in case you're listening to this and, and you haven't seen the movie, it is literally copied after chef. It's intended to be a hilarious take on chef's table, I think, right? I mean, it's got to yeah. be. They even talk about chef's table yeah, in the movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am glad we're on the same page here. It it, it's frustrating. I feel like occasionally I come in with this take on movies we watched where I'm like mad, not because it's bad, but because it has like a lot of the makings of something that should have or could have been yeah, great. Um, so that's definitely the, ta- the taste I take away. I actually would not, I would not recommend watching this movie. I don't think it's that important. And I think your point is dead on that the, 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 the like common the quote-unquote commentary that's supposed to be at the center of the movie is super vanilla it's not that it's bad or wrong or not funny occasionally too but it's uh it's not original the one thing that was good about this was i don't know if it's good the one thing that's brought up while i was watching this movie was 
it really brought me back to our days living in San Francisco and how the culture around not just fine dining, but ultra luxury dining where you have these really expensive seasonal tasting menus that you pay $800 for at some like dumb restaurant in some shitty part of the city where there are homeless people camped outside and you feel like you're really sophisticated and you're not going to be full because like they're not really going to give you that much food. It might be like a few hundred calories and then you're supposed to walk out of there feeling like you're the man. You are part of the elite. Right. What they fed you is a way of proving that you're part of the elite, aka Instagram photos and the ability to say you went to the show or the restaurant that's on the Netflix show. And just like the the really heavy-handed intellectual masturbation that a lot of these chefs are really into. And it's like you're it's just a dish, it's food. It's it's not that serious. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Uh, boy. Well, we both agree. We w- both wildly agree with the thinking behind it and not with the execution and are disappointed, it sounds like. So, yeah, too bad. I almost wonder if they could have accomplished this slash I would say they could have accomplished this with a 30-minute short that like leaned into the characters in the beginning, the Netflix, Instagram shots, and then everyone just gets like bloodily murdered at the end. I, that would have been like just as good but better because it's more condensed. I guess I'll, I'll highlight probably two scenes that were highlights actually. So let's maybe something we'll throw something positive out there. Yeah, yeah. So number one, when Rafe is first, like they're going through the first few courses and then it starts to feel like there's like a performance aspect to the way that they're presenting their dishes or like what even goes in their dishes and all that. That I, I thought that was cool because I don't think you see that a lot with these tasting menus in these like fine dining places where it's more than just the food. There's like a whole performance around it. I guess whatever that chef is in Chicago with that restaurant Alinea where uh-huh. they bring out like dessert where it's like a balloon filled with sugar air, whatever it is, right? Stuff like that. I feel like that is a cool takeaway that I wish more restaurants did. And then number two was that cheeseburger looks so good. That was one of the best looking cheeseburgers I've seen. I agree. They did a great job making the cheeseburger look good. I have a confession to make uh, since you brought that up. I did one time pay. <laughs> Actually, I'm not going to even say the number. Uh, <laughs> something that did not make what they paid in the movie for that look <laughs> that high. I mean, it wasn't that high, but it was high in D.C. at like what was at the time one of the only two or three restaurants that did. It was modeled in a lot of ways after the that Chicago restaurant that originally came up with this whole like fully deconstructed y- using whatever space age stuff, you know, technology to make food. And I have to say it was pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> and so... <laughs> I literally, they did something that they gave you. They gave us a pear. It, it looked exactly like a pear, okay? But it was actually pickled herring. And then they gave us something that looked exact, like literally fucking exactly like pickled herring, 
and it was made out of pear. And then they gave us what looked like a bowl of ice cream. But then when you went to go bite into it, it turned into sweetened mist. And like, I have to say, that's fucking incredible. Like those, that was the most wild experience I've ever had in my life. And so, and then they gave us, they, we had a, uh, a piece of toast. It looked literally like a piece of toast with peanut butter on top of it. And it was not toast. It was actually some reconstructed freeze-dried apple that was then grilled to look like toast. And instead of peanut butter, it was like blended sea me creamed. And anyway, you get the idea. I'm, I won't belabor it anymore. But to your point, and I wasn't going to say this because I was embarrassed, but I just am going to come clean. There is something to it, but I actually think the movie does touch on this too, which is that it's over the top. It becomes bastardized, like in the sense that at one point, the chef, Rafe Fine's character, was actually doing stuff that was incredibly artistic and creative, and he's at the top of his craft. But then all these assholes, these San Francisco <laughs> assholes, come in and uh, are doing it not for the food but and, and the creativity, but for the Instagram pictures, and that like ruins the entirety of the art. So anyway, that resonates with me. Uh, and for what it's worth, when I did do that, I paid half my life savings at the time to go to this place to impress my now wife. Throw the number um, out. Because I was not making... It was, uh, including the wine pairings, it was $1,200 for a meal. I think I did not pay the credit card bill off for a while because I was trying to impress my nail wife, <laughs> which hilariously, I don't think she was impressed by. But it was, <laughs> she was right, like, what she was like, She was like, dude, I'm your manager. I know how much you make and you should not be paying for this dinner. <laughs> so, Honestly, that does actually sound like a really cool experience to do once. But I guess the novelty of that probably wears off after the first time. It's not somewhere you go back for another go. Yeah. And then the second is if you have to go into debt and are further <laughs> entrapped by the burden of capitalism, then maybe not worth it's, it. It's Well, I was going to say probably it's a good thing um, because what it does is it increases my overall economic output. Um, <clears throat> so because I'm indebted and, you know. Yada, right. yada. Yeah, um, exactly. Extrapolate from there. Well, um, on that note, it is past 10 and I have to go. 